This podcast is generously supported by Zondervan Bibles and the NIV Biblical Theology Study Bible edited by D.A. Carson, featuring notes and articles that help you follow God's redemptive plan as it unfolds throughout Scripture. Find out more at NIVBiblicalTheologyStudyBible.com. Want to learn how to interpret and teach the entire Bible in a way that is Christ-centered and clear? Learn with us here on the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Nate and John Aiken here with the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast. In this episode, we're going to interview one of the contributors to Christ-Centered and Clear, that being Dr. Peyton Hill. Dr. Hill is the pastor of First Baptist Church, Prattville, Alabama, and Peyton is the husband of Jordan Lee and the father of four. Uh, Peyton, thanks for being on the podcast, and tell us a little bit about your theological training. Yeah, so um, I uh, did master's work at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, and then um, after taking a few years off from education, went back and did a PhD um, at Southeastern Seminary, and so did that uh, in applied theology. Where'd you do your undergrad? Mississippi State University, Hell State. Oh, so you uh, are optimistic about your football team till October every year? Yeah. So so this is what we ta- this is what we call the peak time to be a football fan during not football season. <laughs> this is this is when optimism's high. Recruiting descended, uh, but yeah, come football season, we're normally more discouraged than anything. Peyton, uh, when it comes to the Christ-centered exposition or you're the Christocentric hermeneutic, you call it uh, several different things. How did you become convinced of this? Yeah, so uh, I think like a lot of guys, uh, I was trained in more of the historical grammatical method, uh, very much digging into the text, looking at the original author's intent. But honestly, when I would do my own preparation, I couldn't help but see links and types in the text, even if they weren't necessarily clearly flagged as such. Um then post-seminary, going into pastoral ministry, serving on staff at the church, and just preaching week in and week out, teaching the scriptures again, just just seeing these things on my own, uh, began to listen to guys like John and, and others who were preaching, Tim Keller and different who were preaching Christ from the whole Bible, and I began to go into the arguments of Luke 24, Colossians 1, 1 Corinthians 2, uh, and, and really just became convinced that if Jesus and the apostles saw the whole Bible pointing toward Jesus, then not only were they saying that this is how they do it, but this is how we should do it. So getting our method from them, uh, not just their actual words, I think is uh, what I really began convinced of. So you did a PhD. Um, what was the PhD in? And then what did you write on? Because it is it kind of hits on this topic. Yeah. So the PhD was in applied theology, but my concentration was preaching, uh, specifically Christ-centered preaching. And so I wrote on the Christ-centered hermeneutic and preaching method of Tim Keller, uh, looking primarily at his Old Testament preaching and uh, seeing uh, how did he get to Christ? Uh, what were the, the valid ways that he saw that we could link from the Old Testament text to the person and work of Jesus and, and really kind of identifying, is that something? Thing that we should do, and if so, how do we do it? So it was it was big on methodology. Gotcha, um, John. You want to ask a question around how does this play out in uh, personal pastoral ministry? 
Yeah. Well, first, uh, let me ask you this question, because it's a question I've been asked. Do you think that being trained first and foremost in the historical grammatical method helped you avoid kind of cavalier interpretations once you became convinced of the Christocentric method? So yes and no. So yes, because I think I think being trained in that method did help me uh, seeing the text. But no, because I think in a lot of ways, um, being trained in that method would often push back on what I saw naturally arising from the text to the point that I found myself almost being a slave to an interpretive method that I was taught rather than what I was actually seeing evidenced by Jesus and the apostles. So so yes and no. Yes, because it, it got me in the text and showed me the importance of rooting everything in the text, but no, and that I think that the historical grammatical eth- um, uh, method might too much root us into uh, a grammatical historical reading that doesn't allow us to see the the big contours of scripture and the types and the themes. So so yeah, it's hard to say yes or no, but I would go with both. <laughs> so you would say to, to what would you say to the statement I heard a speaker make recently? Be more exegetical than Christ centered. Yeah, I think that's ridiculous. I mean, if we're gonna be First of all, I don't even know what that means. Uh, second, though, if you're going to be exegetical, you're going to be Christ-centered, right? Like we're not mm. we're not coming to the text, imposing something on the text. We're reading the scripture and we're seeing that if we're going to do expositional preaching, exposing the meaning of the text, you can't but get to Jesus because right. the meaning of every text is only expounded in Christ. So yeah, yeah th- so those I things are that. yeah, those things are not opposed to each other to be exegetical or be Christ centered. They're not like options to pick between. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, they go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah and I mean, pro- yeah, because I mean, proper exegesis is going to lead to Jesus every single time. Like it's, I mean, proper exegesis not just of the new testament but of the old testament not just direct prophecies but but all the old testament and so yeah i i don't i don't think it's helpful in the conversation to pit these two ideas um against one another nor is it nor is it helpful to say well i'm i'm an expository preacher and i just bring out whatever's in the text and my point is yeah i am too the whole reason that we have to define it as christ in our preaching though is because there are some who say that you can preach expository sermons without preaching Christ. And I would say, yeah, you can't do that. So let me, let me ask you this. Cause yeah, we're all committed expositors, but one of the the challenges that I hear. So, so one of the, like, I think simple, helpful, you know, uh, maybe easily memorable definitions of expository preaching is teaching people to read their Bible, right? That's what expository preaching is supposed to do. It's teaching people to read their Bible. And one of the critiques I hear of Christ centered preaching is that, um, it, it looks like it's some kind of like Jedi mind trick that the pastor's doing on the text that only he can arrive at. And he, if without that specialized training that he's had, you know, nobody could ever figure this out on their own. And so you're not actually helping your people to read the Bible. You're, you're releasing them to, to think or, or, or either to, you're releasing them to do this in a, again, a cavalier method that's, that's not going to be helpful and is going to be allegory and all this stuff or, um, you're teaching them that, hey, unless you have my specialized training, you can't do this. And so what would you say to that? Yeah, so good good question. So um, first, I would say that expository preaching is not first and foremost about teaching people how to read the Bible, but that's definitely a great benefit and necessary. 
I think Keller's helpful here because so when Keller lays out his six ways of preaching Christ, which again, he's one of many people who have put forward a bunch of different methods. The one that he gets the most pushback from is the sixth and final one, and that's about preaching Christ from instinct. Basically, he and guys like Sinclair Ferguson argue that if someone is a follower of Jesus and they love Christ and they know their Bibles well, that they cannot help but to see how Christ fulfills every single passage of Scripture. I think that if I'm preaching the Scripture properly each and every week and I'm exposing the meaning of the text, which means I'm showing how the text points to Jesus every week, then I'm not necessarily showing my people that, hey, I got a PhD and only I can do this. I think I'm actually freeing them who have the same spirit, who love the same Jesus, who can study their Bible and know it just as well as I can to actually say, you know what, these links and connections and types that I see, I, I now have the freedom to say, yeah, I see those things. And this is actually all about Jesus. I think that our people in the pews honestly do it better than a lot of our preachers. The problem is they don't think that they can say that. They won't uh, naturally just, just go to that interpretation because they're afraid that their preacher, their pastor is going to condemn them for it. And I want to free my people, not from being cavalier, but saying, hey, you got the same spirit. I, I'm just showing you that that the, a lot of the links and connections that you're already seeing, I believe are valid. And I think Jesus and the apostles made that clear. Now be a good time to hear from our sponsor. This podcast is generously supported by Zondervan Bibles and the NIV Biblical Theology Study Bible edited by D.A. Carson. Biblical theology allows you to ponder the individual stories and themes of scripture while observing how they all fit together in God's grand biblical narrative. That's why this unique study Bible features three articles in introducing biblical theology and 25 articles unpacking key themes of scripture. The NIV Biblical Theology Study Bible contains detailed book introductions, 20,000 verse-by-verse study notes, 28 theologically rich articles by authors such as Tim Keller and Kevin DeYoung, hundreds of full-color photos, more than 90 maps, and over 60 charts. All of this allows readers to marvel at the big story while savoring each detail. With a focus on biblical theology and the overarching story of scripture, the NIV Biblical Theology Study Bible helps readers follow God's redemptive plan as it unfolds throughout the scriptures. Find out more at NIV Biblical Theology Study Bible.com. Hey, Peyton, for those who may be just kind of getting introduced to this hermeneutic and may not even be familiar with how, you know, Keller's preaching on this, what are the, can you just kind of briefly give us the six ways he he says you can preach Christ? So he, it, it depends on whether you go back to his old notes or his preaching book. And so really better than think if there was six ways, basically he's big on types. Okay. And so he's talking about types, not just figures, though that's true, but also types in terms of uh, just different aspects and images within the text. Then the second big way that encompasses a couple. So, of- so like by that, you mean something like tabernacle sacrifice, not just figures in the Old Testament. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So Keller um, Keller does something that a lot of guys don't do. He actually parses them out, whereas a lot of guys would just kind of count them as, as one thing. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so types, images, people. Uh, then you've got the themes. And so Keller is saying that they're just like the D.A. Carson, there are different intercanonical themes 
that ultimately lead toward Jesus. And again, there's some overlap here because sometimes you're reading the Old Testament and you're like, is that a theme? Is that a type? And and ultimately, Keller would argue uh, it doesn't really matter <laughs> if you right. label it a theme or a type. Um, and then uh, the third, and again, there's six ways, but they all flow from these three. Uh, the third uh, would really be um, genre. And so how does each genre actually lead toward Jesus? Because every genre is going to do it a little bit different. So uh, the law is going to look a little bit different. The narrative is going to look a little bit different. Poetry is going to look a little bit different. And then, of course, kind of his outlier would be that preaching Christ from instinct. It's good. Um, how would you so for the, so somebody that's a pastor, but even just we've been talking about lay people. We want lay people to be able to do this. How would you recommend? You know, how do you get better? Like somebody comes to you and says, "How do I get better at this?" What would you recommend to them? Yeah. So, um, I mean, this sounds super trite, but man, reading the Bible. I, I, I love systematic theology. I love biblical theology. I like reading books. I love it. But man, just put them down and get in the Bible. Um, I know that seems so trite, but it does seem like, at least in my experience, the more that I read and understand my Bible, the more that I understand how to do this. I think number two, um, that that is helpful is try to look listen to, to good Christ in her preaching. I mean, find guys, um, whether it be some of the guys who've been doing this faithfully for a long time, like Keller, like Ferguson that we've mentioned, um, whether it be some of the Baptist guys like Roger Adrian Rogers and W. A. Crystal, who also did this, um, or whether it be some of the contemporary guys, I think just listening to good Christ in her preaching is helpful. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good books out there, but honestly, um, I think that that would be further down the road. Just knowing the Bible, listen to good Christ and her preaching. I think it's super freeing for guys and, and girls who are teaching the Bible to, to just get in the Bible, begin to see some connections, and then listen to Christ and her preachers to see how they do it and to realize, okay, he He's got a PhD or he's preaching week in and week out. I saw that connection two weeks ago when I was studying that passage. I just, I didn't know that I could do that. And I think a preacher saying, Hey, like, look at Jesus and the apostles, look at their methods. They're saying that we can do this. I think more than anything, we're freeing our people to do what they already do. Who are the, the main contemporary guys that you would point people to and say, Hey, these, these guys are doing it well. So, so check them out. Yeah, so I thankfully I think that now there there are probably a lot of guys out there that I don't even know about that are doing it because there does seem to to be somewhat of a, a reawakening, a revival of Christ Center preaching. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think John, your preaching has been super helpful in my life. Um, uh, I think that you can go to guys like Tony Marita, who I think is is faithfully preaching Christ. Uh, I think some some guys that that people you know in the podcast would know of. I think even I think even if you look at uh, J D Greer's preaching, uh, we do it a little bit differently. But but he has a, a commitment to get to Christ um, from every passage of Scripture, even Old Testament passages. Uh, I still think that that uh, Saint Clair Ferguson is one of the best. Um, yes, he he's older, um, but he's still preaching and he's got a lot. Of material out there. Uh, one of the most formative guys for me in terms of listening to his preaching and seeing how he links to Christ from every text of the scripture. Um, yeah, so those would be some guys just off the top of my head that I think would be super helpful. Mm-hmm. I'd add uh, Lig Duncan. Yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah, great. Um, Russ Moore. Um, even, uh, you know, D.A. Carson does a really good kind of redemptive historical. Yeah. 
preaching. So yeah, and yeah, and I think what's helpful about that, like just those names you brought up. So like Russ and Lig and DA Carson, they all do it totally different. I mean, they have a little bit different, not just preaching style, but they have a little bit different hermeneutic. And so I think exposing yourself to different kinds of folks and different kinds of methods, I think is super helpful. So let me ask you this. So what you studied both in seminary and in, in terms of your PhD, Keller's method, when you sit down each week to start your study of a passage, how does this how does this play out? What do you what do you do? I print the text off in a, a Word document, double space. And so that I'm just looking at the text. I uh, turn my phone and all that good stuff off. So it's just me and the text. I'm reading through the text. I'm marking things. And normally, um, because I preach through books of the Bible primarily, I've already read through the whole book. And so obviously, if it's a long book, I've only done it once or twice. If it's a shorter book, I try to do it every week. And so as I'm working through the text, I'm allowing myself to make observations. And a lot of times those observations end up being my Christ center connections. And so, you know, I see, I see a king or a prophet or a priest and I realize that's a natural pointer toward Jesus. I mean, Hebrews tells us that I see a sacrifice. It's a natural pointer toward Jesus. But then also, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find out where the text is in terms of redemptive history. So, you know, for example, um, um, you know, all the cursing and the blessing texts. Uh, I want to realize that within the, within the covenant, right, that these bl- these blessings and these curses aren't just, you know, kind of meted out by God as these random events, but actually these are within the within a certain epic of history in Israel's life. And uh, I want to show how ultimately Jesus fulfills that. And so, yeah, so long story short, I'm not necessarily pulling out commentaries and books to say, hey, let me see how they did it. I eventually do that as someone of a check, but I'm just beginning with observations and I'm allowing myself to see these connections that simply arise from my understanding of the book, the passage, and ultimately the whole canon. So you're just so you have this Word document that you printed out, you're just making jots and notes the whole time while you're doing this and then going back and kind of checking those things out later yeah i mean i've, I've got my word document for this week right here i i, I have a color coding system and so um you, you do know you could just use a computer for that say that again you do know you could just use a computer for that yeah i could but i like to be old school there's something you know okay. so i'm not like hardcore like some of these folks that are like you have to do everything with a pen but there is something about my brain and the hand and the writing that i just i get it better than when i'm doing it on a computer that's interesting So I'd say, i have one more question um so at what point in your sermon this is a question i get asked a lot at what point in your sermon do you put the christ-centered aspect are you are you weaving it in and out? Is it the conclusion? Is it uh, you know in the middle? Uh, how do you how do you do it? Yeah, so I yeah I'd I'd be interested to see what your thoughts are, but I. I, I do it different. I think I think different passages, um, different books of the Bible are, are going to be a little bit different. Sometimes I'm weaving it throughout because sometimes it's pretty clear. However, sometimes, uh, especially with familiar texts, um, I'm going to preach those texts, and then I'm going to end with a, a really big, hey, this is how it points to Christ. Not because I'm trying to, to show myself as some fancy you know, theological ninja, but I, th- I do think that you're kind of leaving the people with something not just new, but something that leads them with worship. You know, uh, So going back to one of Nate, or actually your question earlier, so... 
I think that ultimately the goal of preaching is to lead people to worship, okay? And so because of that, like I want to get to a point in the sermon where they're not writing down application, where they're not writing down, oh, that was a good point. I never thought of that. I want to get to the point where like the pens go down, the eyes are fixed on me, and the hearts are just on fire. And so sometimes I think that's best concluding a sermon with preaching Jesus, but sometimes I think that it can be packaged earlier in the sermon. I I don't necessarily think that it's helpful to do it the same way every week because then it just becomes, hey, this <laughs> here we go, it's the old Jesus bit again. Um, and so yeah, so I I try to have variety for sure. Yeah, I have I definitely have variety. I mean, I would say probably the majority of the time I'm building to a crescendo where it's going to be the last thing. But I mean, I preached yesterday uh, in chapel somewhere and, and, and I weaved it through the whole sermon. So I do think that that's where art and kind of how you want to put a sermon together and how you think you're best going to engage the audience kind of comes into play. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of times, like for example, I just preached to Zephaniah uh, recently and um, one of my first sermons in Zephaniah I try to build a conviction for, hey, this is pointing us toward Jesus. And so I pointed toward Jesus throughout that sermon because it was the first one. But then in later sermons, I didn't necessarily do that. Um, I waited more toward the end. But I wanted them to know from the beginning, hey, this isn't just some old book with some history lessons for us. But it's actually right now. It's exhorting us to trust in Christ and and to to believe in Christ, and so yeah, so I think that's helpful to to do it different. Uh, Peyton, we'll get you out of here on this question, and John, I want you to jump in on as well. Um, so, if somebody does want to read on this, they're thinking through what are some resources that are helpful. What books would you say have been most helpful? Maybe even authors, and then for preachers, what commentaries? Like, who are the guys that are writing commentaries that you would say? Um, you know, this is helpful, John. So, John, you you kind of jump in on that as well. But, uh, yeah, what, what books have been most helpful? Yeah, so for me, uh, pretty much anything that A. Clowney has written is super helpful. Um, he's got, um, you know, Preaching Biblical Theology, which is great, but, but he's also got other books that are showing, you know, um, the unfolding mystery and other books about the Old Testament. So pretty much anything that Ed Clowney has written, I find super helpful. Um, I also think um, Jim Hamilton's book on um, God's glory and salvation through judgment is helpful. The King and His Beauty by Schreiner, those are helpful resources. They're not going to go into the nitty-gritty of every text, but they're super helpful. Um, yeah, I think uh, Tony Morita's The christ Center Expositor, I think it's a good book just to, to kind of lay that out. Obviously, Brian Chapel's christ Center Preaching is helpful. Um, obviously, I'm... Um, bias, but I do think that Tim Keller's book, Preaching, is just really helpful because one thing that Keller does that not a lot of guys do is he presses what he means by Christ in a preaching, saying, hey, I'm talking about actually preaching the gospel every sermon. And so I find that helpful. Um, yeah, those are, those would be the big ones. In, in terms of like commentators, I think uh, anything that Leon Morris, uh, Alec Moyer, those are guys that... Um, yeah, those are guys that pretty consistently are going to point to the Christ from the point to Christ from the text. Obviously, D.A. Carson, uh, anything that those guys write normally going to be super Christ centered. Derek Kidner, he's another one. So I would add, um, in terms of commentators, scholars, I would say Peter Lightheart, um, Graham Goldsworthy, um, 
James Jordan. So James Jordan and Peter Lightheart are part of something called the Theopolis Institute. And they, so I, you know, I like anything that I read from them. Those would be S wine would be another one. Uh, Peyton mentioned earlier, um, who's, you know, has a few things out there that, that are good. Um, yeah. Hamilton is a, is a guy who, who anytime he has an article or, uh, if it's in God's glory and salvation through judgment, I, I try to read, uh, him as well. And, um, yeah, those would be the main, main guys. And then, uh, you know, one of the things that you can do is go to like gospel coalition or somewhere where they have like a resource library. And, and if you have a particular passage and you're, and you're looking at it, and again, if you, if you see a Lig Duncan, a Russ Moore, a Dick Lucas, um, you know, um, so guys like that, then you, then you're going to know that they're going to be Christ centered, um, uh, in their sermons. Have you guys ever read, um, Ralph Davis commentaries? Yeah. Yeah, I find, so, uh, him, I find him to be helpful. Yeah, um, Davis is. Dale, I think Dale Ralph Davis is. Um, s- uh, s- I mean, super helpful in terms of uh, bridging the gap between scholarship and readability. Um, and and so for a pastor, like I, you know, there are some super technical commentaries, and they're great and helpful, and you should consult them in your in your sermons. Um, but sometimes as a pastor, you feel like you're 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 reading ten pages to get one sentence that's going to help you. Uh, and and Davis is not like that, and so that series is is really helpful. He's not always as Christ centered as I want him to be, as I'd like for him to be, but he's he's super. Super helpful. I was if if he's written on an Old Testament book, I always try to consult it. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, like for a lot of our people at our church who are teaching the Bible regularly, just through Bible studies or small groups. Um, I mean, we we really recommend the the Christ Center Exposition series that um, Dean Aiken and Tony Morita and David Platt did. Um, I I think some of them are better than others, honestly, uh, for sure. But I mean, they're great. Just entry level works, especially for someone that they, I mean, they're not going to buy a huge hardback commentary set for their office. Um, so I think they're helpful. For lay people, one place to start would be the Jesus Storybook Bible no or, or the God's Big Picture Bible um, in terms of just understanding the big, big redemptive story of the Bible. Uh, I think those are super, super helpful. No doubt. Yeah. It's, it's good. Well, Peyton, thanks for taking time to be on uh, the Christ Center podcast. We really appreciate it, brother. Hey, yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.